Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. Anytime you're in Huntsville, we hope you'll come be part of our worship. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. We hope you'll enjoy this lesson brought to us by Glenn Colley. Tonight's scripture name will come from Psalm 23, 1-6. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in grain pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointeth my head with oil, my cup burneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Please be seated. I've been giving some thought to the 23rd Psalm the last couple of days. A couple of things come to my mind, and I want to talk about the 23rd Psalm tonight. And one is that the Bible is not like, like any other book. Books that you may read once or twice, and after that it becomes trite. No need to pick it up. Bible will never be like that. As a matter of fact, it's the opposite of that. The fact is, the longer... How, when did you first hear the 23rd Psalm? My, my. You don't remember. It's been so long ago. And yet, there are times in our lives when we hunger for passages like these. I want to hear it again. So... Uh, If you'll put up with me, I decided that I wanted to talk about the 23rd Psalm. Another thing is that a passage that is so familiar, such as this psalm, um, maybe maybe something that we feel like that, I mean, we've got it. We've studied it. We've read it many, many times. We've got it. And we may miss some things that are just wonderful, and that's the way the Bible is. How many times do you study the Word of God? And particularly if you're preparing to teach a class, when you really have to dig into it, how many times has that happened and you find things that you've never seen before that, you, that you'll never forget? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because thou art with me. Just a remarkable thing has happened there as we launch into this discussion. And I just frankly love this. And maybe you've made this observation yourself, but he's talking about God. And he starts out, and he said, the Lord is mine, and this is what he is, and this is what he is. And suddenly, without any warning, he doesn't even make a turn signal, he, he changes to talking to God. I, I, I often have lunch with some Christian men, and there, there's about three of them, and we have this rule when we eat together that in conversation, and conversation happens pretty fast if you have three or four Christian men, you know, it just, you know, different subjects. But we had to make a rule that if you wanted to change the subject rapidly, you had to tell. You had to say, okay, new subject. And then you had permission to launch into it. Otherwise, the other guys just can't handle it. 
David changes it like that. But you understand it. A lot of our women, and perhaps some of our men, it's a great idea, are praying through the Psalms now. And the way that they do it, I don't know who came up with this. I think it's a terrific idea. The way that, it, that you do it is that you open a psalm and you read a verse or two verses. And from that, you derive things about which you know you should pray. It draws to your attention things that you want to pray about. And, and then you just pray. And so they call it praying through the psalms. And I just love that. But I tell you, there's this principle that if you love God, if you truly love God, you study the Bible. You won't be able to sit there and study the passage very long before you want to say something to him. You want to pray to him. And that's evidenced in this remarkable psalm. So he starts out talking about God and about God and here are qualities of God. And then he just suddenly, without warning, breaks into praying to God. It's very important to pray long prayers. Nehemiah chapter 9, I believe, is the longest prayer in the Bible Luke records a prayer that Jesus prayed all night long. But, but you also ought to be never very close, I'm sorry, very far from your next prayer. And here's, here's David, the psalmist, and he's, he's, he writes this, and, and suddenly he just jumps into talking to God. The Lord is my shepherd. He didn't have to say it this way, you know. We wouldn't have been surprised had David started the 23rd Psalm this way. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is your shepherd, and and done it in, in that way. I think one of the reasons why we love the 23rd Psalm so very much is because it's so personal. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, hold that thought. Um, so in Acts, the second chapter, you know David is referred to as a prophet. The prophet David, not just the king David, but the prophet. And when you go to your New Testament, you find the, the shepherd, but it's not the father, it's the son. I don't know this. I'm just throwing it out for your consideration. Could it be that David had his eye on the pre-incarnate Christ? I mean, you know, Luke chapter, I mean, uh, John chapter 10 at about verse 11, and Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Or 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 4, where you have the discussion of elders, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, you'll receive a crown of glory that fades not away. And who's the chief shepherd? We all understand that. It's, it's our Lord before whom we will stand in judgment, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. We're going to stand before him, and he's the chief shepherd, and he's the good shepherd. You don't do any disservice to this by thinking of Jesus when you read it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You might read that and say, I don't get it. I mean, isn't it true that the sheep have things that they want and don't have? That is, things that they desire and don't have. Yeah, that's not the point. The point of it is that so long as you have this shepherd... There's never going to be anything that you truly need that you will not have. You won't lack. You may desire some things you don't. I mean, you know, you, you got the valley, and surely that's going to be hard. And if it's a valley with shade, well, there's no grass much down in that valley. And, of course, you have the enemies to contend with, and that's described here too. I mean, even in the very passage, you have things that, that would be desired, 
That's not the point. Shepherd knows what is good for them. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is Lamentation 3 and verse 24. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. That is to say, even in the difficult times, you're going through a difficult time in your life. Some of you are. Some of you are going through very difficult times. You say, well, there's something that I desire, Glenn. I've got a number. I can make you a list of things that I desire right now. Yeah. But let me tell you something. The Lord's your portion, says my soul. Therefore, we'll hope in him. That is to say, then, that no matter what happens, nothing that, that we truly need will be deprived of us because he's our shepherd. Now, it may not always be just what we want. Philippians 4 is the commentary on this. Verse 10, not that I speak in respect of need, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and how to abound, how to be full and be hungry. And so that we can say with the psalmist here, the Lord is my shepherd, I will not want. That's enough. He is my portion. That's enough. That's enough. I can live and I can die with that promise. There were some birds on a power line. They were talking one day. One of them said to the other as they watched the human beings that were obviously stressed out and all in turmoil. And why do you think the humans are so stressed out? And the other one said, well, I guess they don't have a father in heaven watching out for them. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. A man by the name of Philip Keller wrote a book about, and he says he was a shepherd, a true shepherd, and he wrote a book about sheep that was just fascinating, and it was in the light of, of the 23rd Psalm, and it's just a great, great book. And in that book, he talks about what, it, what is required for a sheep to lay down. A sheep is nervous. I don't know if you've been around sheep, but they're nervous animals. I had a friend who owned some goats one time, and he He said, now you can't let them get in the rain because they'll die. What are you talking about? He said, no, they will. You've got to build a shelter out there because if it starts to rain and they don't have a shelter, they're apt to just have a heart attack and fall right over. They'll die. And anyway, they're they're the nervous sort. They're, They're the nervous sort of animals. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Anyway, Keller said that there are four things in particular that sheep can't abide. Fear friction from other sheep, flies, and famine. Now hold that thought. He makes me to lie down. Philippians 4 and 7 is one with which you're familiar. And the peace of God that passes understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And next, he restores my soul. Did you ever need your soul to be restored? Everybody in this room of appreciable age would say, well, yeah, there there have been times. And I, I know for a fact, this is a pragmatic statement, that the Lord restores our souls, Christians. Psalm 51, 12, restore to me the joy of thy salvation. How does he do that? Well, in Psalm 73, you read about Asaph. He was all messed up. He got to envying people who were 
outside of God, away from God, the heathen. He, he admired them, and, and he thought they had a life so much better than he. He struggled and suffered, and how can this be? I've, I've walked with God, and I look at them, and they've got everything, and I don't. And he was fretful. And then it says, he said, I almost slipped. He almost lost his faith until I went into the house of, of God. He went to the house of the Lord, and he worshiped, and something happened. He re, his soul was restored. Now, doesn't that, I'm going to tell you something right now. I've, I've been a preacher most all my life, and this is still true about me. I come into this worship assembly, and I worship with you, and it restores my soul. Now, is that true about you? When we suffer, Christians, we're, I don't know. I suppose there are people who would look at Christian suffering and say, well, I guess you don't want to be around those people right now. You just want to go off somewhere by yourself. And No, no, that's not really true. Not really. What I want to do is to have my soul restored, and I know where to find it. I need to get to worship. I've got to worship God. I long to worship God. And I want to do it with people who are Christians, people of like faith. That's where I get it. First Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. He restores our soul when we pray. In Galatians 6, 1, he, he restores our soul when we have fellowship with other Christians. Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Isn't that talking about this? You bring them back. You bring them back and restore in them the joy of our Lord, the joy of salvation. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So, okay, clear this up for me, because I, I, I thought in the 23rd Psalm we were talking about green grass and lying down beside the still water. That sounds really nice. But now, suddenly it's interrupted with the valley of the shadow of death. How do you figure that? I thought that, that I was serving him, and so it would be the green grass. The constant of the 23rd Psalm isn't the green grass or the still waters. And really, you've got to get that. He would do us no favors by giving us that and not telling us the whole picture because life is not just lying down the green grass, is it? It's not just about the, the still waters. The green pastures are not the primary thing here. Those are temporary. And, and one day we're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The, the, the constant here is the presence of God. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because thou art with me. Listen to this old preacher. It's all right. It's still all right. It's still good. The constant in my life is not the, the joy of life. Sometimes that, that joy is going to be hard for me. But the great joy, the reality is that I've got a shepherd who loves me. And so he tells me this reality. Even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because he's still with me. That's the constant. Hebrews 13, 5 is precious to me. I will never leave you nor forsake you so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. What's that? And though I walk in the hard days and though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not afraid.
because I have a shepherd. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now I want you to make this observation that it doesn't say that he takes away the enemies. Bear in mind, this is David. And so many of the Psalms are about him being pursued and the pain of being pursued by his enemies and how hard that is. And deliver me from them. This doesn't say he he relieves us of having enemies. It says he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. There's a... There's rather a joy to that, you know. I mean, the, and you have a picture of it. If you want a photograph of, of this, go to Acts chapter 7. And Stephen preaches through the Old Testament, testifying that Jesus really is the Son of God. He's the Messiah of, fr- promised in the Old Testament. And he develops that. And, of course, they just can't stand it. And you see him inching down, picking up rocks. And this is not going to end well for Stephen. And his stoning is begun and... And he says, he calls their attention to, he says it out loud, and calls their attention to the fact that he sees the heavens open and there's Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And it enrages them, of course, because they can't bear the fact that, that God prepares a table before old Stephen in the sight of his enemies. And of course he concludes in in Acts chapter 7 by praying to God for them, don't charge them, lay not this sin to their charge. He doesn't take away our enemies. The fact is that that we may still have them. As much as lies in us, we live at peace with all men, but sometimes that's not going to be possible. And then he concludes, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David is describing a relationship close to God that has no end. While I live here on this earth as a servant of God, I'm going to rest in the reality that I have a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. As a result of that, I shall not want. And there are going to be occasions where he makes me to lie down in green pastures and leads me beside the still waters and restores my soul. And there will be an occasion when I'm going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But I'm not going to be afraid because he is with me. Now you hold on to that because that's how we're going to live our lives. Every day, Christians, that's how we will live our lives. And then one day we're going to leave this old earth and we're going to go home. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going home. And you say, oh no, I've never been there before. That's a little frightening to me. I've never seen it before. It doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. You know, sometimes people ask me where home is Where's your home? And the answer is wherever Cindy is. Doesn't really matter. Wherever she is, that's what home is for me. And as a Christian, I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter where it is. It doesn't matter that you haven't seen it. What if I could tell you that that the Lord's going to be there? What if I tell you that when you go, you're going to, as, as Paul said, I'm going to depart and be with Christ. What if that's all you know about heaven? Your response is, 
I'm good with that. You know why? Because the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. That's how I've lived my life. That's what we're going to do. We'll live our lives that way. And then ultimately, we're going to go home and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm so glad you're here tonight. Is there someone here who wants to obey the gospel? It's really important to, to understand what Christians have that people outside of Christ do not have. Ephesians 1.3 says that, that all the spiritual blessings are in Christ. What's a spiritual blessing? Oh, the answer to prayer, the assurance that he hears our prayers, the reality of being a child of God, the forgiveness of our sins, and ultimately the anticipation of heaven. Those are the spiritual blessings, and they're in Christ. The Bible says in Galatians 3 and Romans chapter 6, the only way to get into Christ is to be baptized into Christ. You in Christ. I want you to think about the 23rd Psalm. It's not for the dead, it's for the living. And enjoy it, and then I want to make sure that we're all a part of it. Repent of your sins and confess Jesus and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And the Bible says he'll add you to his church, the one church of the New Testament that Jesus was talking about when he said, on this rock I'll build my church. We're going to sing a song of encouragement. If you'd like to respond, come as we stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word, brought to us by Glenn Colley. If you have comments or questions, Glenn can be reached by email at colley at westhuntsville.org.